Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be back. Uh, This morning, we are going to kind of continue in our core values. I'm mixing things up a little bit. We're going to be talking about how creativity is the natural result of spirituality. But first, let's pause once again and let's pray. Father, we pray because you listen. Lord, we ask because you are able to answer. Lord, we knock because you are able to open. And Father, we are praying and asking and seeking this morning for you to speak into our lives, for you to bring about clarity of areas that we can grow in, that you would bring encouragement into places where maybe we have been discouraged or maybe even complacent. And I pray, Father, that today would be opportunity for you to work within our hearts and change us once again. We need it, we desire it, and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, I'm going to talk about the Sea of Cortez, P.T. Barnum, mustard seeds and mulberry trees, and true grit. Okay, as I was just sharing, as I was in La Paz, this one person who I just mentioned, I was talking with her, and we had a great time together. We had a few evenings where we really just talked about some questions that they had and we kind of set out some things that they wanted to continue doing as far as reaching people in their community and friends. And one of the conversations that we had, it was late one night, probably 11.30, one in the morning, something like that was going on. And we were talking about how she had grown up hearing about Jesus and she had this faith, but it didn't look like what they were doing at the church. And she would struggle because she felt that there was something going on within her. She believed in God, but she just didn't resonate with a God who had all these restrictions, that he only loved you if you did these things and you were only okay if 
you met these criteria. And there was a disconnect in her mind and the God she was hearing about was just too small for the life that she knew. And so she struggled with that. And so she didn't want to be a part of something that she didn't resonate to. And she did like what a lot of people do. You know, she wanted to party and she wanted to, you know, have a good time with friends and try to find meaning whatever way she could. But ultimately this gnawing at her kept pulling her back to this place of who God is and that he really is there. And it's as if she knew it all along, but it wasn't until her friends came alongside of her and said, you know, this God that you feel is talking to you, he's not this small. He is actually this big. And all of a sudden to her, it was like a doorway had opened that she could now step inside and start to actually learn, even from scripture, even though they taught scripture at this church she went to, it just became fresh to her. It became alive to her. It had a different trajectory, as it were. And it was so important for her not to reduce what she felt was taking place within her to something less. And I think that's an important thing for us to understand that when God is calling us, he's calling us to something big. He's calling us to something probably more than we can imagine. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 18, but first we have to start in Luke chapter 17 because This parable that he talks about in Luke 18 actually carries with it the momentum from Luke chapter 17. In Luke chapter 17, verses 20 to 21. Oh, there it is. Gil and I are playing tag here with this. I'll let you do it. It says, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. That's the literal translation. Your scripture might say it is in your midst. Literally, it means it is within you. So with this idea of when is the kingdom of God established, Jesus is saying it's not something that's here or there. It is happening within you. It is in your midst. It is taking place, but you're not aware of it. And so he goes on to Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Then Jesus told the disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. I just want to pause there. Because he's telling them they should always pray and they should not give up. And this has taken place right after he said the kingdom of God is within you. He goes on and he said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for the chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? 
I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Such an interesting parable. Again, parables disrupt our way of thinking. He presents a judge who doesn't fear God, who doesn't care what people think. But because of this woman's persistence, he complies. And he says, if this unjust judge who doesn't fear God, doesn't care, still responds, will not God respond for the injustice, for the problems for the things that are going on. He will carry them out. And he says quickly, even though it might not seem quickly. However, he ends with this troubling statement. When the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I always thought about that last sentence. Will he find faith on the earth. I always thought, well, you know, when he, he comes back, are there going to be Christians there? But I, I think, again, we're missing the point when we look back to the kingdom of God is in our midst, is within us. Will he find faith? It's talking about not something that is going to happen. Will he find faith with something that is happening? Because when is the kingdom coming? When is the sun showing up? When is he Coming, he is coming as he's speaking. Again, the kingdom of God is taking place as he's speaking. So it's not talking about, I don't believe, a future tense. It's talking about something that is taking place currently. And he's asking if he will find faith on the earth. When we think of faith, a lot of times I I think about, if you go to a church website, they have their statements of faith. But really what those are, are statements of belief. Because there is a difference between belief and faith. And it's an important distinction between these two. Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. This is after he said there's neither Gentile nor Jew. The only thing that matters is this expression of faith through love. He didn't say the only thing that matters is correct beliefs expressed through love. He said faith. Jesus didn't say when the Son of Man comes, will he find the right beliefs on earth? He said, will he find faith on earth? And and faith and belief, even though they seem like the same thing to us, they're actually very different. Beliefs are defined as opinions or judgments that a person or a group is completely persuaded by. They believe that these are the things that are true. Oftentimes, beliefs can't be questioned. That's just what we believe. That's it. And so you might say as a belief, you can't work on the Sabbath. That was a belief. You, you can't eat shellfish. That was their beliefs, right? Some people believe you will not go to heaven unless you are baptized. That's a belief. That's not our belief, but that's a belief, right? There are different beliefs that people have, and they're usually something that they hold on to very strongly. Contrast that to faith. Faith is a, a conviction that's deep in motivating sense 
of pushing us into a course of action. It is, it's about us moving to do the right thing. This young lady who I was talking to in La Paz, she had this pulling at her that there was something more. There was a, a gnawing at her soul that said life is more than just what you're doing. A, a belief in God. She had a faith, but she didn't have a belief. She didn't know what was going on. And, and if you think about it, This way, you can have a lot of beliefs without having any faith or very little faith. And you can have a lot of faith with having very little beliefs. The same thing is true of Abraham. Here is the father of faith. And when we think about Abraham and scripture, he was big on faith, but he didn't have a whole lot in the area of beliefs. He had no scripture, had no temple, had no laws, had no doctrine, had no clergy, had no atonement ideas, no perceived concept of heaven or hell, no sacraments, no creed, no baptism, not even a name for his religion. He didn't have a lot of beliefs, but he did have a faith. His beliefs were shaped by the polytheistic Mesopotamian world that he was living in. They had many gods. Those were the beliefs that he was in. And he was pulled out by faith to something more. God is pulling him out and God required him exchange his established beliefs for something really less concrete In fact, he didn't even know where he was going. He didn't have a destination. He didn't have a set of this is now what you're going to believe. He just had a calling that pulled him towards God to a place he didn't know. And that's faith. And that looks a whole lot different than belief. A calling, a a sense of an uncertain but promised future that was rich and hope. And this led him to step into the great unknown where he didn't know where he was going and he didn't know what was going to happen. He just had the calling of God saying, I want you to follow me. I'm going to use you and make you a great nation. And through you, all the world will be blessed. Corrine and I got this movie pass. You guys should all get it if you don't have it. Okay, it's an app, and with MoviePass, you pay $10 a month. And I know you're thinking, $10 a month? I can't pay $10. You pay $15 if you go to the movie, right? Here's what you get with MoviePass. For $10 a month, you can go to a movie every day of the week for $10. There's some, you just have to check in with your app, and then you go and you get the ticket. You can't, like, you know... Say, oh, I'm going to get it for tomorrow. You have to be there that day. So it's great if you're spontaneous and you want to go out and, hey, let's go to a movie. So anyway, I say all that because we've been watching more movies, right? Because, hey, we've got movie pass. If it doesn't cost us money, we're going. It's great. Hey, what do we want? Hey, let's go to movies, right? So we've gone to a few movies. And I've, you know, the movies you really like, you talk about or you see again. So there is a movie I must like because I have seen it three times now. Not with MoviePass, but I've seen it three times. I saw it once with the Herrera family the first time. It's The Greatest Showman with Hugh Jackman. Once you get past Wolverine being the guy who conducts a circus, it's a great show, right? And so I go there. I had no idea what it was, and it's a musical. 
And it just floored me. I just thought this was magical. And so I told Corrine, you got to see this movie. And so I took her to go see it. And then I bought the DVD because I liked it. And I watched it with one of my granddaughters the other day. And I actually watched it online once too. I mean, I've watched it four times. Okay, I'm confessing. I just love this movie. I love the story. I love the songs. I listen to the songs when I'm driving. I, I know them by heart. In fact, I was singing them and annoying my granddaughter when it was playing. But there's this one song that I love. I mean, it's the story of P.T. Barnum and him starting the circus. And I know it's an exaggerated, you know, version. But one of the critics later says it is, you know, a celebration of humanity. And one of the songs at the very beginning, it says, Every night I lie in bed, the brightest colors fill my head. A million dreams are keeping me awake. I think of what the world could be, a vision of the one I see, a million dreams, it's all it's going to take, a million dreams for the world we're going to make. And the movie is all about creating your life. There is, you know, this couple who love each other, but it's a relationship between a black woman and a white man, and it was at a time where it wasn't acceptable, but why can't we rewrite the stars? One of the songs says, and make our own life and make something happen. And I love this because I feel that in a sense, this is what faith looks like. I don't know, but I have this calling. I I see the world that could be. I see what the kingdom of God is supposed to be like. And it's the thing I desire. And it starts to pull me to become the person who wants the will of God to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And and it pulls me into more and it pulls me into expressions of love because that's what faith is. That's the only thing Paul says that matters is faith expressed by love. And, And you think about Paul himself. Here was a man who was chiseled in beliefs a Pharisee who knew the law, who was persecuting the church because it violated his beliefs. And then he has an encounter with Christ. He doesn't know what that's going to do. He's not yet sure what the beliefs will be, but he follows after him. He later on says, all that I had before, all those beliefs that I held on to, they were rubbish. Paul's words, they were crap, dung. That's our nice way of saying. And I considered them that for the excellent opportunity to know or to be enlightened by Christ. To follow something more. And what Paul didn't do is exchange one set of beliefs for another. What he did is he upgraded the beliefs to be something that were actually more. He wasn't denying his tradition by his emphasis on faith expressed in love. He was faithfully expanding it, letting it grow and letting it move forward. As Jesus said, he wasn't abolishing the law. He was fulfilling the law. Law, Love was already a place. Right? Deuteronomy 6, 5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. That was a part of their understanding, but now it was expanding. 
And it was going beyond these beliefs. They were making it the most important part of their tradition. They were deconstructing a belief system that had lost its soul, that had become too small for a God that was doing so much more. I wonder sometimes if we could move more from being defined by beliefs to be an expression of faith in a loving way. I wonder if sometimes we make it all about what you believe and we limit what God wants to do in pulling us forward in an expression of faith through love. As Paul says, it's the only thing that matters. Paul said that. I'm not saying that. Paul said this is the only thing that matters is faith expressed by love. I wonder if we would move towards that if God could become bigger. I wonder if sometimes even like the young lady I mentioned who was at a church that seemed to strangle God to a set of beliefs that didn't fit with the world she saw and lived in. And so she couldn't see God there, but God was pulling her, and now she sees him more clearly than she ever did. And again, it's revealed in Christ, ultimately. And so here is this faith, this curious thing, right? In chapter 17 of Luke, the disciples say, Lord, increase our faith. They want him to increase their faith. And then he gives them this example. If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and cast into the sea. Matthew says a mountain, right? Matthew went big. But the whole idea is you don't need a lot. Just a little bit of faith is all you need. So it's not something that you need a lot of. Paul says in Ephesians 2, it's by grace that you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. When he says that not of yourselves, I believe he's referring to faith because grace is automatically not of yourselves. In Romans 12 verse 3, it also talks about he's given to us a measure of faith. So the faith is there and you don't need a lot. It's a curious thing. Hebrews 6 says it's impossible to please God without it. So you don't need a lot. It's something that God gives. And it's something that we need to please God. But faith doesn't stand alone. Right? When someone says, keep the faith. In what? Because I have to have something I'm keeping the faith in. You don't just keep faith. Keep the faith in faith. No, you keep the faith in something, right? There has to be an object of faith. You have faith in God. You have faith in the work of Christ. You have faith in your spouse, your job, whatever. You put faith in something. And so faith doesn't stand alone. It leans towards something. And so we don't need a lot of this. And it's already there, and it's really important. But what needs to happen is we need to lean 
into it. And I believe that's what Jesus is talking about even in this parable where he's saying to pray and not give up because God is there and an unjust person would follow through. Don't you think that God will? Lord, you don't know the difficulties I have. I broke a fingernail. Whatever it might be, right? I just, it could be something serious. It could be your children are in a bad place, are sick. It could be you are sick. It could be you are in a bad place. It could be financial. It could be emotional. It could be global, right? We, we live in a world where there are so many things that can just cripple us if we think about it over and over again. And sometimes it paralyzes us because the situation we are in just seems overwhelming. It's like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how we're going to get past these things. I don't know what's going to happen. And Jesus says, pray and don't give up and lean and lean into me because I will see you through. You don't know how it looks and it won't look like you think it will. I guarantee you, God has never done anything like I told him to. Never, right? He, he does things all backwards and all better. He, he doesn't change the circumstances. He starts changing me in the circumstances. And this faith that is there, that he has put there, starts growing in places that I thought would die. And he starts producing life in those places. And he's telling us to lean into that. Paul moved from a belief that was religiously correct to a faith that was expressed in love. There was nearly 900 rules identified by his religion, but you could trade them all for this one, faith expressed in love. Love God, love people. We talked about this before. And now this is what's guiding him. This is what's pulling him. This is what's pushing him forward. There's a woman named Angela Lee Duckworth. She was a teacher who became a psychologist. And when she was in her classroom, she had questions. Why do some students do well and some don't? What is it that makes these kids pass and excel and these kids don't? And her curiosity kind of moved her into a different position where she had a different job and she became a psychologist. And this drove her so much that she wanted to find out. And so she started doing some testing in various areas. She tested cadets in the military training. Which ones would go through it, succeed, and pass, and excel? She looked at it in the national spelling bees with children. Which students would go through this and actually accomplish whatever spelling bees accomplish? Learning how to spell, right? Anyway, I won't go into my childhood and my brokenness there. Um, she talked about rookie teachers who were in difficult schools and different difficult situations. Which ones would see through the difficulty and actually produce education in those classrooms? 
right? All these different areas, sales companies, which salespeople would excel, do well in the selling and get promoted and make more money. How do these things work? What is the key to the successes in all these things? And in all these scenarios, one characteristic emerged as the predictor of success. It wasn't IQ. It wasn't social intelligence. It wasn't good looks. It wasn't physical health. It was grit. It was passion and perseverance. That was the characteristic that brought success in all these areas. It wasn't how much you knew. It was what drove you and sticking to it. That persistence. See, when we confuse belief with faith, we are content to say, oh, I believe in Jesus. I, I believe these things, but faith in Jesus gives us the passion and pushes us to continue. And so Jesus would say, pray and don't give up. Why? Because your faith is strong enough. I've put it there. It is necessary to see you through. Don't give up. Let it be a passion that starts to burn within your heart. You see, this is something that has been reoccurring in my life, and I imagine it'll reoccur until the day I die, that there is always a time where God has to rekindle what he began in my life, where my faith begins to grow dull, where it begins to become rudimentary, where it begins to become something that I know. It's something I believe, and God has to shake things up and say, your beliefs will not be enough. When the fire comes, you are going to need faith and it is strong enough and it is there. You just need to lean into it. Keep it alive. Keep the fire burning. Don't give up. Some of you here right now are tired. You're burning out and you're feeling frustrated with life and you're wondering, God, where are you? And you're wanting an answer. And I got to tell you, I've got no answer for you there. Feel better? No, you don't. But I've got this. There is a faith inside you that will carry you through that and help you to grow in the middle of it and will change the world around you if you will allow it to. It is the work of God within you. The kingdom of God is in your midst. It is there. Pray. And don't give up. Push through it. How would your life change if we move from a place of being defined just by or being considered okay by what we believe being defined by how we express love embodied by Christ. That we would lean into a future that cares, that wants to change things, not just for ourselves, but for others. I often ask the question where if you had a wish, right? You got that magic lamp and you got the genie and you had a wish and say you just had one. I know you're supposed to get three, but it was, you know, inflation and you get one wish anything you want you can have it would your wish benefit you or would it benefit the world 
Is it just about what you could get? Or is it about what you could give? See, this is faith expressed by love. It's pushing you out of your world and into the kingdom. It's moving us to this place. Hebrews 11.10 said about Abraham, he was looking forward to a city with foundation whose architect and builder is God. I'm looking for what God is doing. The kingdom of heaven. I'm participating in the work of God. And I lose sight of that and I lose focus. And of course, I'm involved with other things. Of course, I'm involved with my family and with the kids and with the grandkids and I'm training dogs and I'm doing different meetings and I'm having other things going on. Oh, that reminds me, there's something I need to tell you afterwards. But there's something more. There's something bigger that's pushing me. Jesus said, will not God bring about justice for the chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will we care about what God is doing? Will we be living our lives pushing forward in what he is doing, creating more space for people? Or will we be content that we're right and that we have the right beliefs? I'm not saying that beliefs aren't important, but if you're settling there, you're missing the point. You're missing a big point. Any form of religion or a system of beliefs or hierarchy or institution not marked by love for our neighbors is from the start misguided and false. So the New Testament constantly says, how can you say you love God if you don't love your neighbor? If you see your neighbor in need and don't meet that need, where is the love of God in you? Faith without an action is dead. And so we have the opportunity to pray and not give up. We have before us the kingdom of God that is within us and in our midst. And Jesus is calling us to participate in what he's doing. And what it's going to take, you already have. And it's enough. But what has to happen is we have to press in can't give up we have to see that there is so much more that God can and wants to do and will do as we work with him let's pray father I am challenged by you constantly and that's good. If I ever stopped being challenged, then I've probably settled for less because you are more. 
And so once again, Lord, I am wanting to learn more of what faith looks like, of what and how it expresses itself in love. What does that look like? I want to allow what you have given me to flourish, to ignite, and to affect others. Lord, there is so much good that needs to be done. We can start anywhere and begin doing it. There is so much that you want to do within us and through us. The only thing limiting us is not pressing into it. What might even be limiting us is our beliefs. We have structured you and made you so small that we think everything is okay and you're pushing us to more. You want us to be like that woman who just annoys because we will not settle for this. We believe there is more. We believe you are doing more. We want you to do more. We want you to give us more so that we can be more effective. God, we do pray for a building. We pray for the resources. I pray for people who will serve you, not just here, but in their lives. Lord, we pray that we will be a part of a larger community that represents you well, expressed in love. God, we will not stop asking until it becomes a reality within our hearts and within our community. And we do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. May your faith be like that persistent woman that just keeps knocking and knocking and knocking and doesn't give up. May you keep leaning into the future that God is creating and may you take part in it. And may you recognize that nothing else matters as much as faith expressed in love. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Have a wonderful day. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.